Welcome back to another episode of Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics disagree on. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, Keith. Hello. Uh, Thank you. My Woo! first applause and standing yeah. ovation. Boo. Boo. Uh, so I just love booing. Order. Uh, <laughs> order in the court. Uh, causing a little bit of chaos here from the get-go. Uh, and returning to the podcast is our good friend, Ken May. Welcome back, Ken. Hey, thank you, JJ and Keith. It's a pleasure to be with you guys again. Had a blast last time and happy to uh, take this mission of watching a film I've never seen before and, you know, <laughs> having fresh thoughts about it. So I appreciate the assignment and, uh, yeah, happy to discuss it with you today. Yeah, man, uh, for sure. We'll get we'll dive right into it. So uh, today we are discussing the 2012 found footage teen comedy, quote unquote, uh, Project X. Uh, this movie stars uh, relatively young and unknown actors for the time: Thomas Mann, Oliver Cooper, and Jonathan Daniel Brown. Uh, it was produced by Todd Phillips, who uh, is most famously known for directing The Hangover. Uh, this movie falls into the category of having a rotten score with critics and a fresh score from audiences. So on Rotten Tomatoes, only 28% of the critics approved, but 61% of audiences approved, and the critics' consensus. Unoriginal, unfunny, and all-around unattractive, Project X mines the depths of the teen movie and found footage genres for 87 minutes of predictably mean-spirited debauchery. So very scathing consensus there from the critics, which I'm not surprised. Um, and, uh, you know, I think for me, the key word is mean spirited. This definitely seems yeah. like a movie that is kind of doubling down on this sort of like in your face, middle finger sort of attitude and humor. And, you know, it kind of doesn't age well. And I'm not even sure if this was even something that uh, was still popular at the time this sort of style of comedy this like again like mean-spirited you know sort of fuck you sort of way of um delivering humor you know it's very it's very in your face but you know very um it's like vulgar for the sake of vulgarity mm. you know and uh, i think maybe that was something a style of comedy that was a little more popular in the 2000s but i think by the time it was 2012 i think this kind of humor was already a bit dated uh and i had seen i had seen this before years ago and i was yeah i felt like an old man because i was like thinking oh my god these damn kids they're you know it's um i was i was kind of siding maybe immediately with the critics and maybe i was thinking like maybe am i too much of an old man now these uh you know would my teenage mm. self have, <laughs> have enjoyed this movie about you know a party gone out of control uh you know a high school crazy party uh i don't know i uh, i'd like to think maybe i'd still not really enjoy it too much, but we'll, you know, I'll, I'll try to think about that a bit during this discussion. But, you know, Ken, as a first time viewer of this movie, you know, what was your initial reaction watching this? Well, I gotta say, um, you know, I watched it on a Friday evening, actually, with my brother, um, and, well, was kind of tired and figured I have to watch this movie before next week, so may as well be tonight. And, I found it largely enjoyable, to be honest. Really? Oh, I think we have ourselves a debate here. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've thought more about it, and my opinion has shifted a little bit. But when I first watched it, it was funny at times. I mean, it was like a predictable teen comedy, um, you know, and reminded me a lot of, you know, films like, you know, Super, you know, uh, Superbad or... Um, uh, I mean, Animal House, obviously, like an updated version of Animal House. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and at time, I mean, just some some of the scenes cracked me up, just the visuals of it, like the uh, deranged drug dealer with the flamethrower, you know, towards the climax of the movie, or there was like a dog bouncing up on a trampoline at some point, and just crazy antics. And, um, I mean, upon reflection and... 
Also, in uh, I mean, yes, yeah, some of that may have been mean spirited, but mean spirited to who? Like who? Who? Who is the audience that's getting offended here? Because um, I know certainly from talking to friends about the movie, um, the term Project X ha is quite popular and you know is still a relevant term today for a lot of people for just like a crazy party. I mean, no one wants to burn down a community or anything. Um, but some people, like, some people do. The idea of just like the unbridled fun that is ha being had by the people in that movie. Uh, and I, nobody got injured on set. So, you know, it may have been <laughs> in real life. In, yeah, it may have inspired, you know, reckless behavior that led to injuries. Um, but in and of itself, you know, it just it really captured like a really exciting burst of like, you know, adolescent energy, I think. And I could have relate to, you know, wanting to attend that kind of event at some point in my life. Not now. I'm too old for that now. But. Well, you'd ha you'd have to go if you were in high school. You'd have to go. Yeah, like I'd right. be like that one old guy to. that found out about the party on Craigslist and uh, yeah, just yeah. showed up, and he was in his 40s or something, and he's just having a time of his life. Everyone asks him, "How did you get to this party?" It's like it was on Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, that was um, a big point of the movie about how out of control it gets because of you know that plot point, Craigslist and the radio. Yeah, and then that's why so many people show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and I get you know what you're saying too. The, there's like a fantasy element or a wish fulfillment element that I think is appealing to younger viewers, who I think are the ones who enjoyed this movie and are giving this a fresh audience score. You know, mm -hmm. like the ultimate high school party. It's almost like a fantasy in a way because it gets so ludicrously out of control. It's in by no way in all realistic. But again, if you're a high schooler and you see this, you might think to yourself, "Oh man, I'd have such an amazing time at that party." Uh, but Keith, do you, do you have more of an experience with this movie, or was this also a first watch? It's my life. Uh, no, uh, uh, I've I've seen it before, and that and the way I've seen it, uh, watching it in full eighty something minutes again, I realize every time I've seen it on like Stars or Showtime or HBO, wherever it's whatever it's been on. I've always seen it in like a music video format. Like I've always watched it for like five, 10 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, I got something else to do. What else is on? And I would say like the first time I watched it, probably a little bit less than a decade ago. Uh, I, I, I thought it was fine. Like I, it's, I don't, I, it, there are flaws definitely. Uh, and when we talk about mean spirited, 90% of it is, to me, one character who I hated. One of the worst characters in cinema history. And I'm not blaming the actor. I, I, I think he acted the part well. And seeing him in other stuff, he is a fine actor. I hated this character. I hated him. I hated, hated this character. I hate the character too, um, but I feel like the character embodies the movie. So for me, you know, to hate. Oh, okay. That's interesting. To hate the character is, yeah, that's. Um, it's, Kosa. Um, yes. Kosa. Yeah. It's okay. the. Um, yeah, the Costa character. And, you know, he's basically responsible for the whole movie's events and actions, right? And I feel like he embodies, oh, yeah. he embodies the spirit of this movie and he's driving the tone. And so for me, it's to hate him is. You know, interchangeable with hating the movie. I feel like I can't really separate that myself. You know, enjoy mm -hmm. the movie, but hate this character because he is the movie basically. Like he is, um, you know, the embodiment of what this movie is doing. So that mm -hmm. that to me, it was. I felt like yeah, he is a good actor. Uh, in particular, I know he was very good in Mindhunter. He played like Son of Sam. That was like you know just an example yes. of. I think he's like. I was shocked that was him. Like uh. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he was good in that. Uh, I just think, yeah, in this, he does seem like he's doing something very similar to what Jonah Hill did in Superbad. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this very, like, in-your-face character who's, like, desperate to get laid. And he's, like, you know, constantly, like, ragging on his friends. And he has the same amount of energy. I just think it mm -hmm. works in Superbad because there's more of an arc to the Jonah Hill character in that movie. Like, he does grow. And that sort of behavior does kind of come back to bite him a lot in the movie. And in this, in this uh, Project X... This this behavior uh, of the Costa character never goes uh, punished. He goes unpunished throughout the whole movie, and then in the very end, in like you know what happened to each character. 
oh, his parents hired an expensive lawyer, and so he got he got him off. I'm like, what? That's all it takes. To and get also, out the of this paternity test thing lawyer? was the paternity test joke was lame. Like, yeah, that 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 didn't really pay off. And then even at the end, you know, he's calling the 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 female anchor sugar tits. It was just like well, the movie just reeks of misogyny, and that also I found to be a little a hundred percent. Uh, but like, uh, I think the spark of this movie like i could i know why this movie was made is like i don't know if you guys have seen it it is a decade so years old now but uh an australia like the ending credits was making fun or parroting uh this australian kid cody something and he hosted a project act like you know a party that got way out of control in australia and when the australian or inside edition or whatnot interviewed him. He's wearing the hat. He has the goblet. He's act, you know, and funny enough, I feel like at the time when you're young in grade school and high school, you're looking at that interview and going, that's badass. That is so badass. And yeah, JJ, you're right. Maybe I am. I am becoming an old man. I just find I'm like, he's, he's just an asshole. Right, right. And um, I was even questioning, like, why they're even friends with him. Like, the main, like, you have the other two characters, um, JB. He's Cartman. And, yeah, <laughs> Thomas. Yeah, he kind of is. But, you know, like, you see, okay, so the, the, the bit of backstory with him is that he's, like, yeah, he, he was from Queens, so he moved out to Pasadena. Mm-hmm. And now he's friends with these two nerdy characters. But, yeah, to me, I'm curious how those two would have befriended him because they seem to be on different wavelengths the whole movie. You know, they seem to have different sort of ideas of – you know what it is to have a good time and you know what their what their goals are ultimately so i was a little curious about that too uh but you know hmm. it's again i could i didn't catch it when i was maybe in college because it reminded me of more college parties than it did yeah. maybe of like a high school party so maybe a guy might have been on the same wavelength and and enjoying the absurdity more when i was younger mm-hmm. um not not quite sure but i'm an old bitter man now and I'm just shaking my fist at these rowdy kids. The whole idea behind tonight is to get these bitches to recognize us as large-scale ballers. I just don't really see the point anymore. How do you not see the point? There's the point. There's the point. Okay. There's two more points right there. It's all around you. Dude, I get it. If you pick this up, I will stab you. I'm not kidding. Okay, like no more than 20 people. 20 people? All right, 30 people, okay? 30 people? All right, like, okay, 50 people, absolute max. Fine. 50 people, absolute max. You know, just big enough to be cool. Yeah, uh, well, just like a little, you know, I feel like playing the devil's advocate a little bit, um, especially on, you know, like characters like Costa, with whom Keith obviously detests, and uh, JJ, I think, feels a similar way about him. And I agree with a lot of your criticisms. I mean, I think it is a very, you know, misogynistic movie uh in some ways and but yeah um and not to well uh but uh, aside from that i mean costa you have to admire what he accomplishes to some degree even though it's like something destructive he does he does organize like the biggest party imaginable i mean no like nerdy kids in high school who like barely had any friends could imagine that they would have like basically nude girls swimming in their pool and, uh, you know, drinks galore, like celebrities coming. There's actually a famous actor who makes a cameo in the movie, um, Miles Teller. Uh, I think that was probably his first role. Like, I don't think he was, I don't, this is two years before Whiplash. Miles Teller was known, he was known from, um, what, like, not the spectacular now, but he he was in some. That was before, my friend. This is like his first. Rabbit no, hole. but like he he he, was... he is he's identified as Miles Teller in this yeah. movie, and they're like, "Wow, famous actor Miles Teller, do yeah. you want to come to our party?" Yeah, so when... I, he had to have been known from something. Yeah, when they're picking up beer, they like you know notice him at the supermarket at the you know alcohol store or whatever, um, and uh, yeah, so he's like making a cameo as himself in the movie, basically. Oh wow, I totally missed that. Like even both, t- I, yeah. I thought he was like I thought he was the kid who graduated. No, my bad. no, he's my bad. He's oh, Miles Teller as, as himself. He was already my known. bad. He was like the only one who was known in that movie. I think. I mean, everyone my bad else on was that. pretty much. Which was also an interesting aspect of the movie. You know, you, you have to admire 
the kind of amateuristic aesthetics that it it has going, like the cinema verite, you know, aspect. It's all shot right, right. from you know the perspective of uh, this one character who we never see on screen, and you know he hardly says anything, but he's holding the camera the whole time. I mean, allegedly, but it's you know it's really a film crew, but. Right, right. You know, they do similar things in, say, like uh, Cloverfield, where the, mm-hmm. there's the one character who's holding it the whole time in terms of the story. But then mm-hmm. when they film it, they actually have like three different cameramen wearing the same outfit. So you can never know the difference when it pans down to like their shoes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree that I do like any movie that, that uses largely uh, unknown actors. I think that's always interesting. I, from what I read, the intended effect was to make it seem more authentic by having actors who didn't seem like, you know, a famous recognizable actor. Like they seemed like they were actual kids. And to be fair, I do think that the high schooler kids in this movie look like they're actually in high school. It's not like one of those things where they cast actors. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe the actors were much older in actuality, but it seemed to me like they were, you know, that, that right age. Um, So I, I, on paper, I, I do like all that. And I do think that the main actor, I wish there was even more focus on him who plays Mm -hmm. Thomas Thomas. Cub. Tom, the Thomas character, because mm-hmm. uh, in the moments for him, I think that actor was able to sell the vulnerability of the character, and I did like, you know, his his, um, his growth and his confidence and him kind of realizing that he can like enjoy himself uh, despite the chaos. I just uh, the the Costa character is constantly pulling us away from that, and you know, it, it was uh, he kind of takes center stage. You know, it, it seems like it's supposed to be the Thomas's characters story like it's it's his story it's his party but the other character is constantly stealing mm-hmm. the spotlight yeah but uh, just a quick note on that and then um you know we can you go on to another topic but uh like uh costa is like the john belushi character almost of this movie where he's just he's a manic energy and yeah he's a little repugnant um and i don't agree with his morals but he has like an amazing kinetic energy that has something to admire in it, you know, even if it's not, um, you know, something he's, he's, he, his morals are all wrong. I completely disagree with them. He's like, you know, a really, uh, you know, an antagonistic character. Um, but there is something interesting, you know, if not, it's not something I enjoy, like I don't enjoy his character, but I admire the kind of intensity and the, you know, the, 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 the fact that he steals every scene is like, you know, away from the Thomas, the main like protagonist allegedly of the uh, movie is, you know, kind of something to appreciate, I guess. Maybe more of that. that. So where the actors part, you know, cause this, I have a, I have a sense that you know, given the way that this movie is filmed, that there maybe was a lot of reworking. Uh, you know, there was maybe like a looser script and they went and they have this party and they're just kind of like filming all these different sort of events. You know, once the party starts, it's very much just like random events happening here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really much of an actual story. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. the actor, just from his energy, you know, they, they, the filmmakers decide to, to reshift the focus to him just because of what the actor is bringing to the table and his energy. Uh, but, you know, a little of him goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I'll get, I, I can see where you're coming from ken and maybe it is because i feel like an old i'm getting older and a character like i feel like they definitely turned the jonah hill character up to like 11 on this but this movie was wildly popular with teenagers like this was the most pirated movie of 2012 and i'm guaranteeing like this is like this is high schoolers and maybe college kids doing it i JJ, to echo JJ's point, the actor did a fantastic job. And you're right. He is, when you're watching him on screen, you're like, he's the, I, uh, like, you're watching him. Like, he's the one that's coming up with the lines. I'm just kind of like, when you're first introduced to him, he's, or in, when he goes to Thomas's house, like, the comments about, I don't know. It's just so in your face. And maybe, a younger kid could be like, that's okay, man. But I like I, when I went into this movie or when JJ picked this movie for the podcast, I said to myself, this is not a 20, this is not a 28%. I don't remember. I remember enjoying this. Like, and I could see it being a 61%. And then I started watching it going like, all right, 
like, like I, this is maybe why I don't go back and watch. I could go back and rewatch a movie in the 60 percentile, but I, like it feels and to the director's credit, he has done many music videos and I think his only other movie was American Ultra. Uh, this feels like a giant music video. Yeah, I agree. Especially when the party starts, there's just a lot of montages of people drinking, smoking, making out, uh, basic teenage debauchery, and you get like three or four of those sequences, and it does feel very much like a music video. I mean, it's scored to like, you know, clubby music and everything. I just, you know, I'm a little on the fence because personally, I, I don't have that much fun watching other people have fun. You know what I mean? It's like I get the idea that you know, there's like an intended effect that the the filmmakers wanted to make you feel like you're at the party with them. But I don't feel that way. I just feel like it's like people showing off how much fun they're having without <laughs> me. And it's just, you know, it's like, yeah, it's that, that looks great. I'm not there, so it doesn't seem as great to me. But you all seem to be having a good time, so good hmm. for you. Uh, so, yeah, you get a lot of those montages. They That's like the beat of the movie, basically. Um, and, um, you know, the, what you mentioned when the character, when the Costa character is first introduced, the very beginning of the movie, you know, he starts at a 10, you know, he's walking in there, the music, you know, there's, it's scored to like, you know, very like raunchy music. And he likes, he, you know, he's going into like some other person's fridge and sticking his finger in their food, <laughs> you know, like the <laughs> character immediately is like this very brazen guy. And, you know, he's talking lewd. And he goes, like, into his friend's, like, bathroom while he's showering. Like, can you imagine, like, you're just starting your day and some guy just, like, like sticks a camera in your face while you're showering? I, I, I was like, oh, okay. I can understand that on, like, like on a film, like, a film like this, we have to – how do we introduce this character – I, they have to establish the characters right away. And he's away an asshole. I they, get that. They need they need to the, – the, they want most of the movie to be the party, right? Yeah. So, like, you have maybe, like, I don't know, um, less than a third of the movie setting everything up, getting to the party and establishing these characters. But you definitely want the majority of the movie to be the party. Yes. Which, like, is about it's – like, it's like an hour, the party. I've just never been so turned off by a movie character before. Like, I've seen villains that are – villains that have done way worse shit be more charming like i and and i i don't blame the actor as i said a million times i kind of blame the everybody else involved like how they created this character like let's like cartman's a fun character but if you were friends with cart like he is an asshole like it's i yeah i don't know you kind of have that realization well, I, 10 years later like oh yeah my friend's kind of an asshole well the the filmmakers Again, are going for that certain tone, like in your face. Yeah. And this Costa character is driving that. And, you know, this is the producer, like I mentioned before. He's the guy who directed The Hangover. And a lot of people, either him or other people who worked on that movie, went on to create, I want to say, like similarly toned comedies in the next decade, in like the 2010s. And a lot of those comedies rely on chaos. And it's like less about funny characters and more about like, situations that escalate out of control like another movie that comes to mind is like office christmas party like starts off like a normal party and then all of a sudden there's like shootings and, and like chases and people falling off of balconies mm -hmm. and things being blown up on fire and it's it, it, it gets so chaotic that it's almost hard to get involved in i mean at the end when the drug dealer comes in and you know starts uh, lighting the whole neighborhood on fire it gets so chaotic at the end it's almost hard to keep up with there's like a guy riding a horse there's people driving <clears throat> cars into houses and the, the there's like the, the the camera work gets really fast and and shaky like you know found footage is prone to do and i just i have to take a step back like whoa 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 like what what is happening in this in this movie i almost admire the fact that it's so chaotic and it's like anarchy it's you know it's mm -hmm. pure anarchy but at the same time, uh, it goes on for so long; it's exhausting. Mm. Yeah, I just, I just think you to really enjoy the movie, you just have to tap into like your inner fifteen-year-old self or so, and you know, um, you know, forget the moralizing because you know at that age you don't really know what's right or what's wrong, or you know, or you're willing to bend it you know, a little bit and, you know, see how much you can get away with. And like this movie portrays like some kids trying to get away with an absolutely crazy thing. 
and um, I don't know, like you know, a part like a part of me could just you know get in touch with you know my you know anarchistic like boyhood self and enjoy that kind of energy um, while like realizing you know it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure because the movie you know there are some very unsavory aspects to it and you know i got to say i'm 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 defending the movie but overall i don't wouldn't say it's a great movie or anything it's just like i'm just trying to say that there are some aspects to enjoy that is perfect though that's perfect what i could speak to your point too is that those unsavory aspects are completely unnecessary i agree there is like a spirit to the movie about letting loose and going wild and taking that uh, teenage fantasy to like a whole new level. But I think the movie could have done that in a way without being so insensitive. You know, I mean, they're throwing out like, you know, the F word, the R word, uh, you know, offensive words about like little people, you know, I'm like, that's, and those are all meant to be played up humorously, but they're all misfires. And they, again, they take away from uh, what could really be maybe more of a movie to inspire youth culture, but instead it seems to be almost like, you know, encouraging the worst parts of the youth culture. Mm -hmm. That is a very problematic aspect of the movie. And in fact, I've, uh, you know, um, I'm aware of uh, there being copycat incidences, uh, plenty of them, like people... um, you know, going into, like, abandoned houses and, like, trying to stage another Project X and, um, um, and, oh, and my friend telling me that, uh, there was a whole ecstasy, um, everyone started doing ecstasy as soon as they saw the movie. Um, it, the movie did have a a great audience. I think it made, what, like, $180 million or something? Like, it was a financial success. Well over its budget, yeah. And uh, there was an audience for it. And obviously, they were all teenagers. But those teenagers, uh, many of them did get inspired by the movie. And as you said, there are no like consequences for the actions of these kids. In fact, the Thomas protagonist's father congratulates him almost at the end because at the beginning of the movie, he was talking about what a failure, what a like loser he is. And what a loser. Like, I was like, Whoa. Geez. I mean, he, he totally messed up my house, but that's cool, son. So yeah, he's like, are, wow, son, I didn't know I you had do, it in you. Like, I do have a bit of a problem with the lack of moral consequences in the movie. That yes. is very problematic for me, despite uh, well, other aspects that I enjoy for just more their style, I would say. Um, and like a little bit of like n- nostalgia or, you know, whatever. But um, the energy and the style. But yeah, the, moralistically, it's very problematic. It's just, it's completely nihilistic. And uh, yeah, there, there are like people could easily, many people could have gotten killed. Like the whole neighborhood was torched by a maniac that they yeah. robbed from. I mean, they just took his gnome, which was full of drugs. But they didn't know it. But there was no reason to steal, you know. Yeah, he just does it for the sake of doing it. And I don't know. I guess they somehow knew it was ecstasy. But for all, you know, they were just pills. I'm like, are you sure this is ecstasy? You have no idea what this could be. You're just going to take this pill? I think he just took it because he liked the gnome. And then later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is they all, like, ingest the pills. Oh, yeah, yeah. Without really, like, are you, it's like. It is ecstasy according to the movie, but yeah, how, how would the characters know that? Well, they took a chance, and it seemed, it t- <laughs> you know, according to the movie, that is what they took, and you know that makes makes sense according to how they acted, you know, because the party just amplifies after that, you know, you get people yeah. jumping, skateboarding off the roof, and uh, doing some crazy stunts that you know that that's part of the fun, the guilty fun part of the movie. I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree then, aren't we? Dude, listen to me. Thomas, either shut it down or I'm calling the cops. Uh, fine, fuck it. I'm calling the fucking cops. No!
You punch your kid in the face, I'm calling the cops on your ass now. Do it, genius. It's all on tape. I just saw this motherfucker recorded right all here. I, all I got was you punching that little child's face. Fuck you. Yeah, let's not have someone, like, miss jumping into the pool. Like, let's not, like, like, you understand, like, I, I'm not, I'm, I can't believe I'm, like, defending this movie in this way. But, like, I don't have a problem with any of, like, you know, they steal the gnome. Gnome's full of drugs. Everybody takes drugs. I, and, and because the party amplifies like that. The point of it's, this movie's like a mix of wish fulfillment. Best. Like, how do they make the best party ever beyond screen? Like I, however I feel about this movie, this is a big ass party movie. Uh, and I, I will never blame a movie for what people do outside of their outside of the actions like that's like blaming jackass like for kids lighting their shit jumping off buildings and lighting their farts on fire i don't like johnny knoxville is completely blameless in all that 100 percent. right right i I, I, know but i have a disclaimer yeah they they they, i i forgot i didn't even know that they had a disclaimer but i the point of the movie is how do you have the wildest party ever to echo a little bit both your points the problem i have was they focus so much on the situations that they kind of, and you're not maybe getting the strongest improvisers, but you're not having the strongest writing to go along with it. it in fact, they settled baseline p- predictable plot. I can kind of be okay with that. Like I get, you're not going to get a complicated plot with this movie. What I, there's not much of a plot at all. I, well, you know, you could predict that like girl, best friend, and guy are best friends and then he hooks up with the hot girl has it like you could predict all that and also uh this movie made me realize because i didn't think about it the first time i watched it this movie has the worst consequences i could ever think of. like it doesn't relate to it like of course the dad's like i'm okay with that too going because hey i have some respect well, for myself well their house is completely destroyed it is wrecked everything about this house is completely ruined like at the end, you know, the guy, uh, when Thomas is trying to make amends with with the Kirby character, the girl, he's going on about, like, how his life is ruined, his family's life is ruined, like, they're going to be in debt now for all, like, the damages he caused, and how much they're going to be sued and all that. And he goes, but none of that matters, because I just want to make things up with you. <laughs> it's like, none of that yeah. matters. How can you say none of that matters? I had to think about that so going, terrible. like, this is probably the one of the worst consequences I've seen in, like, and he's that, just like, uh, all right, like, because the movie ends, like, who gives a crap? But, like, yeah, well, no, that's, like, yeah, that's again, it's that's part, that's part of the yeah. fantasy element. And I agree, like, the objective of the movie is to keep escalating the party, and that's where those pills yeah. come into play, and it gets more and more out of control, and then you know, eventually they're out in the street, and you know, it's like a riot. But it's like almost as if these kids, I guess, the ecstasy was fueling their, uh, you know. Uh, such crazy behavior to go out into the street and then basically like throw bottles at the police and stuff, which I thought was so funny. The police are trying to come in. Someone throws a beer bottle at the police car and they just hightail out of there. <laughs> like they're throwing hmm. beer bottles, like retreat, retreat. It's like, okay, that's all like it. It made it seem like a little too easy to get away with that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, yeah, the lack of moral consequences, you know, is like, the main thing that spoils the movie for me, honestly, uh, yeah, it just makes yeah, like the, you know, it 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 does like show that it's a weak storyline. The only poor purpose of the movie is showing the biggest party of all time and fulfilling a teenage fantasy, and right. I think it just sends the wrong message to teenagers. I mean, oh, I yeah, so that's and, that's and, the point. And I, was I don't make. I don't like to moralize about movies like it's. You know, there are other things to mo- admire about a film, like, you know, how it is filmed, I think. This movie was filmed in an interesting way, and I appreciate the style of it and the energy of it, but... I exp- I appreciate the experimentation. They gave all the extras, like, phones to, to film for more of the found footage, again, for, like, the montages, and they had to comb through, like, hours and hours and hours of completely unusable footage to find anything that could be useful. And mm-hmm. so I think that's like an interesting sort of way to do it. And that's why the plot had to be so it's like an experiment loose or even non-existence because they basically, they basically went into it, not even knowing what kind of footage they would get. Yeah. And then yeah. have to like edit it together in a way that would make sense. I think, you know, with, 
with people who saw this movie and then they try to put on their own project X's or whatnot. That is like a very youthful thing to do to see a movie and then want to imitate it. You know, when you're, you know, when you get older, more nuanced, you can watch a movie more objectively and, you know, understand, um, you know, like appreciate what's going on in the story without having it like, you know, be something that affects your own personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, you know, like when you gear, when you, when you gear a movie towards teenagers, you know, I think you're always going to play into that the sort of fantasy level because that's the kind of thing they're looking looking for. I mean, all high school movies have a party at some point, for the most part. Most most of high school, most teenage movies involve parties. If you think about like Super Bad, it's all about getting to the parties. You know, Mean Girls, there's a party that's like a pivotal part to the plot. You know, a lot of '80s movies have the big parties. So, you know, that's it's like almost quintessential. You know, you make one of these kind of movies, you have to have the big party that is out of control. And this movie is mm. just kind of taking like one aspect of teenage movies and really mm. blowing that out of proportion. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that was, that was, that's like a, a clear choice. I'm know? wondering yeah. now, like you mentioned, like, you know, we can go through the list of teen movies, super bad, mean girls, eighties with like fast times or Ridgemont high. Uh, a lot of those are really well written. Could like with the kind of kinetic <laughs> energy this movie had, could it be like well written or did it have to be like loose and on the fly? Like, or is it, do they mix or are they? Well, I think this movie went into it because it was going to be so experimental in the production. That's why you couldn't really go into it with like that original or that detail yeah. of a story. You know, they, they, this is more about, you know, project X it's an appropriate title. I know it was just a working title that eventually just stuck. But I think it is appropriate because it does feel like a project. You know, it's they're 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 trying something new with like you know the this this way of filmmaking. I mean, obviously, there's been plenty of found footage movies before this, and every found footage movie has to be a little experimental to a degree. Um, the one thing I do, I have to go back to though. You know, it's been mentioned a few times in reviews in this conversation. The comparison to Animal House. I mean, Animal House. Mm-hmm. As chaotic as that movie is, that is actually, I think, a very well-written movie with very likable characters. And I think that's what really works about that. I mean, I think mm. John Belushi, you know, similar, you know, kind of uh, characters that are agents of chaos. But he, there's something about John Belushi that he has, like, a, a lot more charm in that mm. performance and a little more likability. And his pranks are, like, more harmless, you know? I mean, he starts a food fight, you know? He, like, I don't know, his, his sort of antics are are more amusing and they're a little more justified because they're doing it against like the the fraternity that's more highbrow right like mm-hmm. it's more warranted basically that mm-hmm. sort of chaotic behavior that they're bringing to the table we're here you know like this, this these parents deserve to have their house destroyed like <laughs> absolutely not or even the guy who just goes up and is like i'm gonna call the police because this is an insane party he gets tased in the back of the neck <laughs> like like that it was totally like unjustified yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's part of the comedy of it, to be honest. I mean, it's just like ultimate slapstick almost. There's like an element of that kind of. Well, there's literal absurdist. like kicking in the balls. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, you know, you have to be a juvenile to really appreciate that humor. But, you know, I think a part of you always retains that aspect of humor if you let yeah. yourself, like, forget about all of your, like, adult moralizing tendencies and. You know, you're, yeah. you know, just like the base comedy of it. There's an aspect of that that's funny. And like, I'll defend like the writing a little bit. I, I do think it was not as well written as Animal House or Fast Times or uh, Richmond High or, you know, any of the other films you've mentioned. But, you know, it was not an unenjoyable script. It had momentum. And there were some scenes, as I said, that made me chuckle. Like, I mean, some confrontations between the neighbors were like the irony of what they had behind them. And, I, you know, some of that worked okay, worked decently, I thought. Um, I chuckled here and there. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think I got – I think this movie was trying to aim for more hearty laughs, but I don't think it quite accomplished that. Like, I think the one part I, I thought was, like, probably the most amusing thing was um, when you first meet those two security kids – and like one of them just kind of like glares into the camera for like six or seven seconds. Like for some reason, <laughs> I found that kind of amusing because oh, yeah. they're trying to act so tough. Like I, I kind of enjoyed I that. I thought they part overdid it on a them bit. a little bit. Um, it's like, oh, why? Like, yeah. 
And maybe that's the point of the movie, but uh, it was just like, oh, you're in the house now. Like we've just got like they're making the uh, the neighbors like antagonistic, and I'm like, they're just the guy has a kid. <laughs> yeah, he has a baby. I mean, that's like the one thing at least that the Costa character will draw a line at. It's like. Yeah, even he is saying, like, they have a kid. Like, leave them alone. Think, like, uh, they're just trying to live their that lives. That guy's best scene, uh, Costa, is uh, I is with the cop. Like, I was just like, you know, like, uh, I thought I thought that was the, like, most well-handled scene. If I could, uh, when the cops arrive and, and like, there's a tension. And then, uh, like, the, and he goes, like, you know, can we come in? He's like, I don't know if you can come in, but, like, the law says you can't. And I'm kind of saying no. Uh, I and then yeah, because the he's almost like, him, like to the break of dawn. That is like the the point of the movie. And I'm like, all right, they there is some good tension. Oh yeah, especially like as things ravel more and more out of control. Just because you know you feel for the main character that he is responsible for this house, and it's it's just getting you know more and more out of control, and the damages are getting worse and worse and worse. And by the end, you just have to let go and just admit like, well, he's screwed now. But at least in the beginning, you know. You, uh, you, hope that he can hold it together and get out of this unscathed and that that winds up not being mm -hmm. what happens and you know like that's that the cop scene you know the costa character you know he knows how to get under people's skin right so he's kind of digging at these cops and purposely you know the, the actor's able to capture a tone where it's like you know he's 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 pushing them a bit as much as he can just mm -hmm. because he, he likes to kind of exert his his power Whenever he has it, he's it's that kind. Of, he's an egotistical character, you know. Uh, so I, yeah, I agree. That's like that was like a little more subtle on that actress part in a role that's largely unsubtle. So you're telling us we cannot come in? Well, with all due respect, technically the law says you cannot. What we're saying is you may not. I, I guess both are true. The law says you cannot because we say you may not. All right, all right. Props on the can may both. Just keep the noise down to a minimum, okay? Yes, sir. Don't make us come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Of course. <clears throat> Good night. Night, officers. Good night. Technically, the glass Damn internet. This movie is reminds me, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but how I felt when I was in eighth grade and I saw Freddy vs. Jason. I thought... Oh, uh, how so? I thought Freddy vs. Jason, when I saw it, was like the best movie I've ever seen. And I remember reading like the critic reviews, not on, like, you know, in a newspaper and then going like, this is the worst movie ever. And, but it was a packed yeah. theater house. The audience was great. And it made, I, you, I think that was a financial success too. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they, that was fan service. That and movie. then it's fun. Like, it, but, and then I remember the, my friends and I, who I saw it with, we showed it at like a, an eighth grade graduation party and no one had like, you know, and the older you get, you go like, I remember how good you were at the time, but I can admit now. And I do think, at, I do think there's like, there's some fun to be had. I can watch Freddy vs. Jason go like, ah, this, it's not good, but it's fun. Well, I think when, when you're younger, those kind of movies, you know, that are so over the top and absurd. I think they kind of like, as a kid, you find it to be almost invigorating, you know, because you, you you tap into the energy that the movie is delivering to you. And so when you're watching like a crazy over the top horror movie like Freddy vs. Jason or watching this party movie and you're young and impressionable, I feel like, yeah, that kind of energy is more infectious for you when you're younger. And so you might walk out of the theater being like, yeah, like that was great. That was, you know, you, you get really into it when you walk out. And then you get, yeah. You know, but then, again, like like any like any movie, you know, as you watch on like second or third viewings, you know, if you, it's, you have a chance to really, um, you know, really digest them better. You know, so if it, if it, if it's still good, it'll like get better. But if it winds up it wasn't as good as you thought, it'll get much worse. You know, it it that's I, it's, yeah. that's there's a tipping point. Yeah, I I, I think the. Uh... You know, the problem with this movie for us is that it came out when we were like already in college. Like, you know, we were just too late to enjoy the impact of the film. And like, you know, it hits just like uh, like I remember enjoying a film like Pineapple Express, for example. And 
when I watch that now, it's not, you know, as enjoyable as I remember it being uh, as a teen. So it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a movie aimed at the teenage market. And uh, I can see why it's appealing to them. Yeah. I, I think it also sends like a, a, a wrong message about consequences for actions and can possibly, I don't know. I like, I, I really hesitate to make comparisons between films and actions that they inspire. Right. Because, you know, I think a film should be able to portray whatever it wants. I, and I don't want to moralize against what a film can do. So I totally agree. You know, I totally agree. Like, a movie should not be responsible for, you know, what what people may or may not do mm-hmm. as a response to it. Um, and I, I'm curious too if that disclaimer, yeah, this is on Netflix. This movie, and I'm curious if that disclaimer was was originally when it was first released, or if that came later after people tried to recreate point. the party. I, I, I'm I'm very curious about that. Uh, and you know, in terms of like the 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 lesson being learned here. Yeah, I, I almost was finding that this movie is like the antithesis of so many other teenage movies. Like most teenage movies try to stress a lesson that, you know, there's more to life than high school. Being cool in high school is not the most important thing, so don't worry mm-hmm. about it. This movie, Project X, is saying, no, it is very important. And it's okay if you totally wash away your future to be cool in high school. Because mm-hmm. at the end, the movie implies like, well, he's cool now, so... <laughs> Who cares about anything else? He's finally yeah. cool, therefore happy ending. And I just I find that so funny. It's like the opposite of every other high school movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true, and that's sad. And I don't know the movie. It's got some cojones to do a, you know, something like that. So subversive in a way. Like the movie's so nihilistic. You gotta like admire the, i think that's you know, a staple of todd phillips no- though i he, i think he definitely uh like i wouldn't be surprised if he helped direct i think or had his hand he definitely had a big hand in his pie but his movies hangover joker they're very nihilistic movies even in their comedy uh old school road trip I, and i don't i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying that's definitely like a staple of his well don't forget too you have the writer of this movie. This was written by um, uh, Michael Bacall, right? Or at least partly written by Michael Bacall, who's the guy who also in the same year wrote 21 Jump Street. And what I find so interesting about that, because the Jump Street movies, which he wrote both of them, I think those are hilarious. And I think those actually have a more fresh take on high school culture. Well, the first one does, because that's the one that's in high school. And they actually, the 21 Jump Street I find interesting is that it captures the shift in high school culture in the 2010s, the emergence of like hipsters in high school and, you know, like the new generation of high school students and how, you know, what's cool to them is different than what was cool to previous generations of high school students. And yet in the same year, he, he makes this, he writes this Project X movie that's reinforcing what was supposedly cool in, you know, prior high school uh, eras. So you know, kind of a bit of a split there. He also wrote, um, he also wrote Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is like, I think a highly original and funny movie with very likable characters. So to me, it's like a weird, um, you know, amalgam here where he writes some other comedies with very likable characters and new takes on the genres. And here he writes, he has like the opposite going on, like dislikable characters and reinforcements of what's already established. JJ, here's how I think the conversation went with uh, Michael Bacall and says, okay, Mike, you wrote us a great script. The movie didn't do that well, unfortunately. It's Scott Pilgrim, like, uh, you know, but it's, you know, time is gonna be well to that movie. But uh, what are you working on? Scott Pilgrim What are you working on now? Well, I'm working on 21 Jump Street. That, and I written the script and like, we read it, it's great. What else you got? Oh, well, you know, I kind of been playing with this idea of like, what's, like the the biggest party ever. All right. Like he focused, I think he put a lot of focus on 21 Jump Street. And, you know, when he wasn't working on 21 Jump Street, he was kind of like, I don't think there was a script or much of a script to this. Like I, and I, I think it's like, uh, I, I think in my notes, I even say like story by Michael Bacall. Like he definitely, like, I think they did this curb your enthusiasm, uh, 
curb your enthusiasm style. Like they definitely had the blocks of what needs to happen and maybe lines here and there. But uh, for better, for worse, this is kind of like this happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like um, I can I can see if maybe you know, he had more of the focus on 21 Jump Street and that was more that could be more fleshed out because it's more of a conventional movie. And then this, you know, he had to keep it loose. Um, the other thing I was going to say about that, too, from the writer's perspective, he admits that he was not cool in high school and therefore did not really attend high school parties. So I think there's also kind of a perspective of what maybe he imagines the ultimate high school party to be, which is interesting for someone who didn't really attend high school parties. He definitely captured what the ultimate high school fantasy is for high schoolers at the time. Uh, so, again, I, in that vein, I think that's that's impressive if, you know, you, you um don't have that much firsthand experience with your source material. Uh, so uh, I think we can now you know, get to the point, unless there's any other points about this movie, but I feel like we've talked it up and down, you know, the, well, uh, okay. Actually, I just remembered one last thing with the drug dealer character, right? I feel like the flamethrowing was so like out of left field. Right. And I kind of wish it didn't happen because all of a sudden now the movie is like really, jumping the shark here it's like so it's 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 getting so crazy that now i'm like getting a little turned off but i would i know the guy is established as kind of being crazy like he's a little off but still you know when you're a drug dealer i imagine you don't want to draw a lot of attention to yourself and your business and here's a guy walking into a neighborhood with flamethrowers and basically committing an act of domestic terrorism (laughs) Like what? What did you expect to get out of this scenario that you're lighting? That you're basically like, you know, confronting the police with a flamethrower? Did you really think you were gonna like benefit from this situation? That was like a real head scratcher for me. I'm like, who conceived of this idea? I have a question. Last question. Uh, would you go if you were in high? Yeah, to the party. Would you go? Not now. You know what? Like, if it's someone else's yes. house, if I'm a high schooler and it's someone else's house. You know, unfortunately, again, when you're high, you don't care about repercussions when it's not your house. Yeah, go to the party and you know, be there for a little while because then you, know, you don't want to be the one person who wasn't there. So I buy the desire to be there. I, I do question, though, randos hearing about the party on Craigslist or the radio and thinking to themselves, hmm, I'm a grown adult, but I think I'm going to attend a high school party in a house at someone's a stranger's house where I don't know anybody. I question people being interested in a party, a high school party being promoted online or on the radio. That's like, cause that's how the party also gets like thousands of people supposedly. Yeah, I would, I mean, I would go. Yeah, definitely. If I were like, if I were cool enough to hear, how would you it, not? <laughs> like, Everyone heard about it, though. He told everybody about it. I guess where's the line? Where do you go? Like, all right, I'm going to go home now. Like, I'm probably, I'm probably, I'm like, I'm going to go to JJ's or I'm going to go to Ryan's house. I don't know. Like, <laughs> going to go visit a friend and then, you know. Go over to that party. I mean, I probably would leave. That's... I would probably leave the party when I saw a guy running around punching people in the balls. I think at that point, I'm like, all right. When I'm the car to... goes <laughs> into the pool, I'm like, all right, I'm out. Random cameo from Vern Troyer, by the way. And again, that is very like distasteful, his scene. Uh, but again, like it kind of seemed like he was already like pissed off at people before he was put in an oven. But before that even happens, he's already like smashing eggs on people. And the whole time I'm like, what is this guy's problem? <laughs> he's just showing up at this party mm. and just assaulting people. I didn't really uh, understand that either. Mm. Um mm. Yeah, but it's wild elements like that that make no sense that give it this anarchistic energy. Yeah, and that's that's the only thing that I'm trying to salvage from this, like otherwise you know middle of the road like teen comedy, really. Like there is something. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's largely you know distasteful, but but the energy there's some humor to it. There's like joy in making it. I hear the whole production was a giant party. So, yeah. you know, they wanted to keep the uh, atmosphere going. So even when they weren't filming, they were still, like, partying. Which is smart. I, I like that. You know, that. That's actually a good yeah. choice from the director, uh, you know, to, to maintain the authenticity of, uh, of this wild party. Your college fund is gone, I can tell you that. Yeah. You had Dad, so I'm sorry. much going for you, and you just pissed it all away for one night? I just didn't think you had it in you. 
sorry I let you down. No. I literally didn't think that you had this in you. Uh, I think now, though, we can get into our, our final points, final thoughts, uh, and then our, our scores, uh, our percentage scores on Project X. So, you know, let's uh, start with Ken. Um, what would your percentage score be for Project X? Okay. From 1 to 100%. Typically, that's how it works. Yes. Um, so, I would give this score... I would, I'm sorry, I would give this film a 38%. 38, you say? Well, that's lower than I thought, because I, you seem to be advocating it for it quite a bit. Well, I'm trying to play the devil's advocate, you know, and say something nice about this movie. Um, but overall, like, I, you know, I felt distanced from it as someone who's not a teenager. So, like, you know, the small part of me that enjoys the teenage kind of, you know, humor um, got a few chuckles out of it. And, like, I, I liked the way, the way it was filmed was interesting. And, uh, you know, the characters were ill-defined. But I liked some of the shots. Um, there were some interesting film shots. Just from a film perspective, some of the... I thought uh, some of the shots were interesting. It was, it, you know, there were very few special effects. It was a low-budget film. But they did a lot of crazy stunts in there. Yeah, so that's true. It was kind of fun to watch, even though morally it was wrong. But yeah, so but overall, it wasn't a great movie. Yeah, thirty-eight percent. I stand by it. Not horrible, but not good either. Okay, close, somewhat. Close. That's usually like uh, an average score for like what's considered like you know um, a lower tier movie, right? Like not the worst, basically. Yeah. Um, Okay, Keith. And then, what? Where are you standing? Uh, I, you know, one thing about like reviewing movies and uh, being a critic, I guess one can call us. I, I always have. I try not to be like too much of a like a curmudgeon on movies that aren't made for me, and that can go for like, of course, kids' movies, but even like Star Wars and Marvel movies. I, at one hand, I do have to step back and go like, okay, some of this is, ain't made for me, and. But it that doesn't stop me from giving looking at it as like a movie, like I'm I, like it's still a t like how does it rank with the teen films? How is it made as, in a movie itself? And it's an experiment that worked off, and it is that that worked well, and it is watchable. I think they I think the characters are kind of like they range from awful to mediocre. Like Costa, I think a large negative a large like part of my score I'm detracting because of that character. I think you could have made him somewhat likable or give him something of an arc. Uh, if it's on, you really kind of end up watching like only like five minutes. At least I think I can't really see the, the rewatchability factor. 49%. 49. Okay. So actually higher than Ken actually. Um, so that's kind of interesting where these scores are falling. Um, you know, I think like anything, um, you know, with a lot of movies that I usually give the uh, lower scores, there's there was potential there uh, to to do more, right? So I think if they really had an interest in giving these characters more of an arc, maybe you could have had the Thomas character standing up to Costa at the end, an event, and actually kicking people out before they caused too much damage. I think that would have been interesting. Where you know, he, he learns to stand up because he's kind of, you know, a pushover character to start with. You know, he's like quiet, he's meek, he's shy. And so it would have been interesting maybe to see him, you know, he, he kind of, he's enjoying the ride for most of the movie. And I think the arc they set up is that, you know, he's kind of getting these perks of being liked now. And, you know, like girls are, you know, getting up on him and stuff like that. But I would have liked maybe for him to, um, you know, get all, to, you know, to, to, to have that moment of triumph, you know, um, and, and take ownership of his house. Uh, so, you know, that, that would have been a little more interesting. So, but it seemed like the movie was cont uh, content to, um, you know, just continue living to that fantasy. Yeah. So to me, like uh, one of the biggest sins a movie can commit is when it, it passes on opportunities to, to elevate itself and kind of, you know, falls back on those more predictable choices. So, uh, yeah, I've, I'm feeling this would be for me like a 
like a 40%. Uh, so Keith, what is our average score? Something I'm satisfied with, uh, forty-two point three. Forty-two point three. I mean, we all basically had kind of in the middle scores. Yeah, yeah, it is. But um, hmm. it's you know, it's a rotten score, and uh, you know, I feel like we're definitely more in the spirit of of the critics. You know, not totally all the way. I think we see more merit in the movie than the critics did, but at the same time, we're not as raw raw about it as the audiences are. But at, at the same time though, I, I think I can safely declare that on project X, we are siding with the critics. Sorry, kids. <laughs> uh, you know, Eat your apples. Stay off the sidewalk. <laughs> Quit skateboarding on the sidewalk. Get off my porch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, shaking my fists at those dang kids. No, you know, like I agree with Keith said too, about, you know, liking, you know, trying to be uh, fair to movies that aren't made for me. Yeah, because I still enjoy high school movies, even though I can't relate to them as much. Like, I thought, uh, did you guys see that one movie, Booksmart, that came out a couple that's years fun. ago? That's fun. Yeah. I, I really yeah. enjoyed that one. I think that's another mm-hmm. good movie that captures the the shifting, you know, high school culture. Like, what it has its finger on the pulse, basically. And uh, I think that's the most interesting thing about high school movies. What makes them still interesting to watch as you get older is when they accurately capture what kids are like today and, you know, watching through the decades, how, how that evolves over time. Um, and I think this movie doesn't quite fit into that, um, that evolution. Uh, but, you know, thanks guys. Uh, Ken, you know, it's always great having you on. This was fun having you again. Uh, another really fun discussion and debate actually, you know, we had, um, we didn't see totally eye to eye, but I actually kind of prefer when that happens, you know, like we get, uh, you know, I think, your points actually kind of bumped up the movie score in my mind a little bit. You know, I think I was going into it thinking I'd give this like a 20 something percent, but you know, you made me see a little more merit there. Oh, well, thanks. It's, yeah, it's been uh, such a pleasure. Always great talking to you guys, talking, you know, discussing uh, an interesting movie and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful time. Now I, I know you, you do teach in high school, I'd be curious if, you know, you'd be wanting to show this movie to your kids. I don't think that'd be inappropriate to show to in a, in a school. But, you know, I'm curious what, um, you know, what high school kids now would think of this movie. They'd still find the same sort of uh, fantasy uh, appealing. Yeah, they're still trying to do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, to some degree. Uh, but, yeah, thanks again, Ken, for joining. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, look out for more Divided Films coming soon. Thank you.